Hi, and welcome to Sustainability Explored, a podcast on sustainability and innovations in business and economy, a place where we explore all the sides, angles, shapes, and colors of sustainability. My name is Anna, and I am the podcast host of this show. You're listening to the episode number 32, season 3, and this is a very special episode. As the International Mother's Day, celebrated on second Sunday in May, so 10th of May this year, is coming up real soon. So I thought about taking a sneak peek into the floral industry to explore its sustainability practices and innovative solutions. To help me unfold this topic of sustainably grown and delivered flowers, I invited John Tabis, the founder and CEO of the Books Company in the US. John pitched the books in season 5, episode 27 of Shark Tank, a show on ABC in 2013. Although John walked away without a deal, he didn't get discouraged. On the contrary, he still managed to grow a beautiful company, which is a modern spin on traditional flower companies. And today he will share his stance, his vision, his idea about sustainable flowers. I can't wait to get this interview started. Feeling honored, privileged and absolutely thrilled to talk to John today. Join our discussion to learn everything about sustainability aspect of the floral industry on the example of the books company. Hi, John. Super happy to welcome you on Sustainability Explored. Today we have another unusual topic to discuss sustainability within a certain industry. And this industry today is flowers. So we will talk with John about uh, how flowers are grown and sold in a sustainable way in the U.S. Uh, John is the founder of a company called The Books. He is the first guest of this scale uh, on this podcast. I'm nervous even a little bit today. So John, flowers, walk me through your journey uh, in this business. How did you come up with the idea? What happened? It's not an easy business, I imagine, to manage. Um, The lifespan of flowers is quite short. So how did you choose this topic and this field? Sure. And and thanks so much for having me on. It's it's a real honor to, to talk about sustainability. And thanks for having the podcast. It's great to have folks raising awareness around sustainable practices and, and how to make the world a better place. Um, so, you know, Books started sort of through a conversation with my, with my good buddy, JP. JP is uh, born and raised in Ecuador, and we became good friends in undergraduates uh, at, Notre, at the University of Notre Dame. And he always had his mind set on working in the floral industry. His Family ran a dairy farm and his uh, uncle ran a, a floral farm and just through exposure and time um, with the product, he, he absolutely fell in love with it, with the land, with the, the people, with the product. And so even as teenagers, he talked about working uh, in floral. And, you know, time passed and, and he was a biochemist and a researcher and then eventually went back to Ecuador and was running uh, as, as general manager of a, of a floral farm. And, you know, he and I started talking initially because his frustration primarily was from the farmer's side with the industry and, and their farm in particular invested very heavily in their people and in their environmental practices. So they recycled hundred percent of, of their water. Um, they didn't use any red label chemicals. They used natural predators to stop the bugs. They didn't cut down the rainforest. So 
a whole host of things that really helped the environment and they treated their labor great. You know, the average farm sees, which is by the way, the labor is 75% female. Uh, the average farm will see, um, you know, a, a given farmhand last like two and a half to three years on a given farm. For their farm, they would, la they would stick around for 20 years because they treated them so much better than anywhere else. They had living wages, and they had English as a second language, they had childcare, they had healthcare, all these great benefits. And what was frustrating for my co-founder was they were doing all this great work, but there was no way for the end consumer to even know that their roses that they grew were being grown in a way that was different than any other roses they saw in a given florist shop or on a grocery shelf, whatever it might be. So for him, that's where it started. And he really way to ship directly to customers. His customers at the time were florists. And he wanted to talk to me because I'm a, a branding guy. My career is Bain & Company and then Disney and the corporate strategy group and really working on how does sort of consumer behavior, technology, and, and product all sort of work together? And, uh, and he started asking me questions about how to do sales and marketing around it. And at the time, I was at another startup. And I got really intrigued by this story around all these layers that exist between the farmer and the customer. There's four or five layers between that sort of obfuscate where the flowers come from. And at the same time, I looked at the industry and, and saw a an industry without a brand leader. There wasn't a Starbucks or a Harley Davidson or a BMW or whatever brands you want to choose to sort of represent aspirational branding. And I thought, huh, if the, if the farmers in this category are not happy with the way this works and the consumers are not happy with the way this works, what's happening in between that is an opportunity to build a, be a better answer, a better mousetrap for the customer. And that's, that's sort of how we started on the journey. The name of the company, the books, how often do people confuse it with books? Yeah, it was actually an early conversation that we had. And if, uh, if you remember from Shark Tank, you said you watched our episode. Yeah. Barbara disliked the name greatly. And early on, we had this concept of it was going to be 30books.com, three zero books. And it was a play on word with bucks, you know, and we were going to do 30 bouquets at $30. And that was going to be our shtick, our hook. We ended up not doing that because we, we couldn't make any money charging $30. So then we went to 40 books. Um, but then we started thinking, well, that would really lock us in long term to a $40 price point. And we, don't, we maybe want to offer different sizes, which now we offer lots of different sizes and things. So we moved away from the number part. But we really liked books because it's bouquet, but simplified. And our entire business is bouquets simplified. And so we, we liked that aspect of it. There were some questions and some debate around, will people understand it? Um, when we asked people to spell it, someone put a G in there instead of a Q. Boogs, like bougainvillea, right? And, and there, so there was some back and forth on it. And ultimately, we decided to stick with it because there's, there's sort of two general theories on how you name a business or how you name a product. One is it's, it's explanatory. If we were flowers.com, or cheapflowers.com or sustainableflowers.com that would describe the business. People would know right away what it is. And that generally is a good way of naming utilitarian brands, things that stand for uh, utility. The other way is to name things uh, in a way that makes people lean in and say, wait, I want to learn more about that. That's curious or interesting, right? Uber. Uber has nothing to do with ride sharing or cars or transportation. It's just the word Uber. And the first time you heard about Uber, you said, well, tell me about that for a second, right? So we leaned more in that direction. Um, the, the other part was we were inventing the word so we could trademark it. 
which meant no, no one else could use it and, and we could essentially play in our own space. And so those were all the reasons why we ended up with Books. Every once in a while, people will still misspell it with a G, but we own Boogs.com as well. They still end up at Boogs.com. And, um, and, and some, you know, if it's in conversation, some people will say, you mean Books.com? What, what do you mean? But, that, but that's the lean in. That's where all of a sudden a conversation happens. And if you just tell somebody a name and that's all you communicate, they'll forget about it. If you say Books.com and they say Books.com, and then you explain why it's Books.com, it sticks with them longer. And so... That's why we ended up with Books, and despite Barbara not loving it, Barbara became a very great customer of ours right after the show and continues to be to this day. And so far, the name's worked out pretty well for us. That's so cool and so smart. The jury on Shark Tank also mentioned they were unhappy about uh, delivery time, six days. Uh, did it change over time? Yeah, so when we recorded Shark Tank, this was pretty early. This was late summer of 2013. So we weren't even one year old when we recorded. It aired in spring of 2014, so we were a year and a half. At that point, we actually had next day delivery through our uh, American farms, which we still work with and is still a large part of our business. Uh, we've also been able to shorten the lead time from South America. It's more four to five days now instead of six. And then our, our next day flowers, you can order later in the day. You can, get, you can order as late as 6 p.m. Eastern and still get them the next day, depending on, on the flowers. And so we've shortened the window. Um, we actually even have, uh, we, we launched it at the end of last year, an experiment in the Los Angeles market where we can get same day delivery done of still certified sustainable flowers. And so that's still new for us, but our hope is to roll that out, you know, across the country over time. Um, so we're definitely faster than we were at the time. You know, Mr. Wonderful said at the end that he would send flowers to my grave, but he wasn't sure if they would arrive on time. But uh, because of our, our, same, our, our next day service, uh, we, we do a, a, gr a good amount of business on last minute orders. Yeah. Well, that phrase, that, that's what made me think they are so mean. <laughs> anyway, back to the, you know, the, the juice, the subject. What, is now, what did you do finally with those middlemen, the four or five layers in between the farmer and the consumer? And can you walk me through the whole production cycle? where the flowers are grown, what do you use in terms of pesticides, insecticides, what keeps the flowers fresh? Mm -hmm, sure. So, you know, the traditional supply chain is, generally speaking, a, uh, an imported flower goes into Miami, it goes through customs, it goes to wholesalers and largely an auction-based system, where in Miami they'll auction it off, sort of pulled from Europe, um, the traditional, you know, flower market model which then will sell to wholesalers who move them around the country in bulk, who will then sell to a local florist. Um, and florists increasingly depend on an internet website, uh, sort of an order gathering website to send them orders. And so all those different layers exist between the customer and the farmer. And that is a pretty inefficient way of moving the flowers around. 90% of the flowers sold in the US are grown outside of the United States. Still about 9% are grown in California and 1% elsewhere. So most of the production is coming internationally, which means they have to travel a long distance. So the way that our model works is we work directly with those farmers, whether they're in the United States or in South America, primarily Ecuador and Colombia are the two largest exporters of floral to the, to the U.S. And we work directly with them to ensure the, the freshest and highest quality possible. Um, and then we also only work with farms that are certified third-party sustainable. So Rainforest Alliance and Veraflora are the two main uh, certifiers in the industry that will uh, make sure that certain uh, practices are in place, like recycling of water, 
um, like not using red label chemicals, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the primary mechanism that we rely on. So it's, it's, it's really a third party based system. There are some farms that we will work with that, that can't afford the certifications, um, but then we will go in and work with those folks to ensure that they're as good as or better than the certification. And we've actually helped a, a large number of farms get certified over the years by showing them the benefit of, of getting that certification. And so the, the real key thesis behind the business that helps sustainability is really about transparency. Until you know where the flour comes from, there's no way to hold anyone accountable for more sustainable practices. And then if, as you have multiple layers, by definition, you end up with a lot more waste. You know, the industry wastes somewhere between a third and half of the flowers in that traditional supply chain. And the question is sort of why, why would you waste so much? Well, it is a dainty perishable item. So it will die over time, no matter what. The longer it takes to get to its end point, the more chances there are for it to die. Uh, the more times it's handled, just literally someone picking it up, that means more chances for it to be damaged, for it to be bruised, for a stem to be broken, for petals to be knocked off, which leads to waste. So all of these different steps along the way, all the time that passes and all the handling leads to an inordinate, inordinate amount of waste. Flowers that die at the farm are actually reused as fertilizer. So there actually isn't waste if it dies at the farm. Flowers that die in a consumer's home have been used by the consumer for its intended purpose, which is bringing nature into the home, bringing beauty into the home, recognizing an important date. So there isn't waste on those two ends, but in between everything is, is literally avoidable waste. And so our entire plan is to use technology and data to know where the flowers are coming from, when they're leaving that endpoint, And so we can ensure back to the end stakeholder, whether that is an individual consumer or we work with brides for weddings. Uh, we hope to work with wedding planners, uh, florists, et cetera, over time, that they can know then where it comes from and they can hold the supply chain accountable to delivering a sustainable bloom. Right. Do you check your, your supply chain? Is there at all a way to check it? Yeah. So we're, there's two things that we do sort of primarily. One is we rely on the third parties certifications and they do on-site checks, uh, annual renewals, those types of things. And as part of their, their processes for getting a rainforest Alliance or a Veriflora certification. Um, and then we also, you know, not currently in, in a COVID world, but, Generally, we also physically visit the farms. And so we have a team in Ecuador, we have a team in Colombia and, and a team in the US who will go out and physically uh, visit and inspect the farms. And the, the sort of, call it master chief on our team of that is my co-founder Juan Pablo, who again, grew up in this industry, um, was a general manager of a large rose farm and is a biochemist by training. And so he uh, is extremely well-educated, has a graduate degree, uh, very smart guy and very passionate about sustainable farming and, and eco-friendly farming in general. And so we use sort of both of those levers to make sure that our farms are, are abiding by the standards that we set. Cool. Uh, I assume it's very important. I mean, at least I'm judging by myself and my own behavior. I need to know where my clothes was made, where my food was grown. Um, so the Generation Z, millennials, they do care. Usually, when we see uh, the product was grown sustainably, ethically, it means it's a little bit more expensive or sometimes even considerably more expensive. Is it the case with the books? So we are, um, I would say, at par with the industry and maybe a slight premium, um, depending. Uh, you can see players that sell 
sustainably grown product that are significantly more expensive than books. Um, you will get a great value with us. Again, maybe at a slight premium, but it's not really a price point difference that you would notice. Uh, the time of year where things do get more expensive is at like a Valentine's Day or an upcoming Mother's Day because the demand in the industry is, is higher, so prices across the board go up. But generally speaking with books, you'll pay uh, the same or, and, and often less for a more premium uh, arrangement and more premium design, especially on our subscription product. So we have a subscription where you can get a dozen roses or the equivalent. So we have mixed bouquets and other flower types, but if you use a dozen roses as sort of your unit, uh, for $36 delivered, and that's with free delivery. And in online floral, you can't find that pricing really anywhere else. Um, and the program has the ability to skip a month or pause or um, you know, change your recipient from your mom to your sister or maybe to yourself. And so there's a lot of flexibility inherent in it and so it's a really great way to send flowers at a really great price. And so, you know, if you look out there, you'll see a dozen roses out the door for some of our competitors for 50 to 60, maybe $65. And so to be able to deliver sustainably grown at 36 flat, um, we feel like is a really great value. I wanted to ask you about this subscription uh, program, subscription service. Actually, me, I only started to appreciate the flowers when the lockdown started. Buying flowers for myself for no reason. But, you know, even if it's not an essential product, I mean, it's not food, it's not something extremely necessary, I, I still find it necessary to keep my mental health, uh, to, to keep sane, you know. Uh, I wanted to ask you, with the start of pandemic, did you see any change in sales? Do you think people started to buy, make their house cozier? Because that was, I think, in part my reason. I just looked around at my um, natural habitat <laughs> and realized that I, I'm not happy here. So I started to, to make it cozy. I think what you're experiencing, a lot of people are experiencing. And so whether it's sending something because travel is difficult, and so sending a gift is a, is a great way to be there without being there. Or, you know, and I've heard it anecdotally, we've seen it from customers, you know, writing into the company or on social media, that the flowers bring nature inside and it brings a sense of calm and a sense of beauty at a time where there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear. And so I think what you're experiencing is, is very common. And we've seen that certainly in our business, you know, during this time. And, um, and I think it's right, you know, there, there are science, there's clinical studies done to show that bringing plants and floral into the home can boost serotonin in the brain. It can physically, chemi chemically happier um, if they have flowers in the house. And so I think as people are staying home a lot more and unable to enjoy nature as much outside, it's a great way to bring it into the home and, and really you know, boost that level of happiness. Yeah, that, that's totally true. Tell me about packaging. I know when my guys came the first time, I noticed they didn't use any. So they use natural leaves, like bigger leaves than the leaves of the flowers to wrap the bouquet around and I put a mental note to myself like hmm, well done good job how mm -hmm. about your packaging yeah so our packaging is 100% recycled and 100% recyclable corrugate cardboard so we don't have no packaging because our product is traveling you know quite a distance from a, a farm to a customer so it needs sort of the protection and the presentation that that our customers expect but we use the, the most sustainable method possible, which is again, 100% recycled and 100% recyclable. There are, there are certain parts of our packaging very small, like a small, I would call it 
half inch wide and probably five inches long strip, again, of recyclable plastic uh, that we need to, to secure the, the, the product inside the packaging so it's not bouncing around because flowers that bounce around during transit will get bruised and will break. Um, but other than that, everything is 100% recycled and 100% recyclable. And so we, we really focus heavily on ensuring the most minimal footprint as possible um, and the most sustainable practices possible. Um, but because of just the, the nature of the business and delivering the flowers, um, we have to make sure that they're, they're nice and protected. Yeah, cool. Do you do something differently after, you know, after the pandemic, after the lockdown started? Uh, maybe you started to invest more in your own corporate social responsibility programs. I, by the way, noticed on LinkedIn, I did a good chunk of research. I noticed you are sending flowers to the medical staff and anyone kind of can... Um, in Italy, it's called hanging. Uh, the concept was about hanging uh, espressos, so you can buy for someone else and kind of mm -hmm. hang. Tell me more about this initiative. Yeah, you know, we we're very lucky in the sense that our business can work can operate pretty well, 100% remote. We we've been everyone's been working from home for weeks, um, and because of the nature of our business, we haven't had the disruption that a grocery store would have or a, a, a restaurant, right? And so. Um, in, in a time where a lot of people are struggling, and especially the, the, the medical uh, field, you know, healthcare workers, frontline nurses, doctors, et cetera, we just wanted to find a way to, to try to do our part to help. And so we, we launched an initiative called A Thousand Thank Yous, where we asked folks in the community through social media to nominate the, the friends and family of theirs that are on the front line. And we had people nominated that are doctors and nurses, folks that are administrators at, at, at hospitals. Uh, we had folks that are, care for, you know, their pediatricians or that care for folks in nursing homes. A lot of very inspiring stories shared out there. And uh, it was just a way for us to, to help support those folks and, and show them that, that we appreciate what they're doing. I, I wish we could give a million thank yous. Um, but uh, it, was a, it was a small way for us to, to give back to the community and, and try to help those folks that are on the front line recognize that there's, there are people out there that don't know them personally um, and the do the nom the nominators uh, do know them personally that really care about what they're doing and and thank them for for helping all the rest of us by caring for those that have been impacted by this disease. Awesome! I really feel like it's the time of strengthening the community. We start caring about people who we don't know, as you say, you know, in person we we don't see them physically, and yet we we feel compelled, we feel determined to appreciate them to send them signs of appreciation and to show them that we are strong as a community right. another thing i wanted to ask you you mentioned uh, you have technological means to check um, the flowers delivery like from the farmers along the way how does it happen and where like how did you integrate technology in the whole business process sure yeah our technology is really designed primarily to, to achieve that, um, that goal. So it starts with being directly integrated with the farm. So our technology is actually at the farm level. So if you travel out to a farm in the middle of nowhere in Ecuador or Colombia, you will see that they have internet access to our platform. And that platform is the core communication point between our business and, and the farmer. And what that does for us is it helps us understand what they have that's growing at any given time, what they have available for us, what the status is of any given shipment. Has it been cut? Is it packed? Has it been shipped out? Um, and then with our international and, and, and domestic carriers, we get continuous updates about where that package is versus where it should be on its way to the customer. 
And, and again, that entire mechanism is really the core piece to making sustainability work. Um, anyone that buys in bulk and brings it in um, that isn't buying directly from the farm introduces uncertainty about where the product comes from. And so our ability to go directly to that, that farmer is really the key part and, and the technology is the, is the enabler of, of that process and that platform to work. You know, I always ask the guests of my podcast which challenges they see uh, in terms of their business operations and especially the sustainable angle of it. That's number one. And second part of the question is how do you expect the industry to change after this massive global transformation? That's a great question. So we, we certainly... Um, we certainly make it harder on ourselves by focusing on sustainability. It would be cheaper, quicker, faster, and more profitable to not care. And so it will not work in the long term. Well, and it, and it would have negative impact to the world that we don't want to have. Um, a big reason we started the company was to create the conversation in floral that has already happened in food, right? Organic, everything is available in your local grocery store. 10 years ago, Organic anything was only available in very small sort of co-op type stores. Um, that conversation has happened. In floral, it's beginning to happen. Um, and we like to think that we're, we're a part of that. But more and more farmers are finding that investing in sustainability is actually better for their business and for their people and for the environment. And we, we're, our, our business was sort of predicated on that idea that we wanted to spark that conversation and make that happen. But we certainly pay more. Uh, we pay more in in direct costs for the flowers themselves. We pay more for transportation. We pay more in order to certify and guarantee that to our customers so that those that care have a place to go and they can vote with their dollars saying, I also care about this cause. Um, we do that because we believe that the audience, like you said yourself, increasingly cares about this as a way that they wanna shop. Um, and also, again, to, to catalyze this conversation in the industry to make it better for everyone. In terms of how we think about this changing, you know, sort of post-COVID. You know, unfortunately, there's been a lot of pain in the floral industry because of primarily canceled events. If you think about hotels shutting down, all those lobbies with beautiful flowers typically, they're not operating, so they're not buying flowers. Uh, weddings are canceled or postponed. That means that the wedding flowers aren't being sold. And so there's been a lot of negative impact to the floral industry in this space. Um, we've actually seen very little impact to our business, again, because of the way that we're set up to operate and because of, of the way that we play. So, you know, I think flowers will always be a part of people's lives. I think we're, gonna, we're in a period now for, call it six to 12 months, we're going to see less use of things like events and weddings, et cetera, as social distancing uh, measures uh, continue. But I think that will come back to normal over time. Um, my hope is that in this time where people are at home and there's an opportunity to reflect, that people can think more about how they want to consume and what they want to consume and really what's important, right? As you said, what's actually essential in my life? And I, I believe that there will be sort of a, a mindset shift in, in the consumer mindset and how they think about what's important in their lives, uh, what matters, and, and what types of products they want to buy. It's been happening, but these types of global uh, massive events tend to lead to shifts in the way that people just think about the world. And I, I expect that to happen. I think that will primarily be the biggest impact of this for floral. I think that it will come back um, as an overall industry as strong as ever, but potentially even stronger because of some reprioritization of what, of what people really care about.
Right. I speak a lot uh, with the experts in the field of circular economy, you know, from different industries, those policymakers, guidelines, writers for the governments. And everybody seemed to come up with the uh, vision that things will not go as they did previously, in part because, you know, there is this mental change and transformation and reflections and people are staying home for how long like two months already and counting but another point is that there is just no resource to continue depleting uh, human resources natural resources and going business as usual do you think your competitors will take the lead and also look into integrating sustainable practices in their business you know i i would i would love it if they would I, I don't think that the industry in general is set up for it at this point. And so, you know, again, if you think about all those layers of processing between the farmer and the consumer, there, there just aren't mechanisms right now to have the level of transparency that we have. So my hope is that, is that the industry will invest in it. And again, farmers are moving more and more in that direction. A larger and larger portion of farmers are investing in sustainability, which is great because that means a larger and larger portion of floral sold is. Um, but having the transparency in the supply chain is a big investment. You know, we've, we've raised, as you, as you mentioned earlier, over $70 million in venture capital to build the technology to enable it. So it takes real dollars and real investment. It's not something that people can just say, I want to do this now, and then it happens. And so my hope is that the, not just in floral, but globally, uh, companies invest more and more in finding more sustainable, less uh, environmentally impactful ways of sourcing and distributing and selling their product. Um, and so my hope is that it, it moves in that direction. I think just the way that the industry is set up, it's going to be a real challenge. Um, I think it's certainly possible if folks really focus on it and make it a priority over profit um, in many cases. Um, and my hope is that it continues to move in that direction. I can't help but notice that you use a lot the word investment. I think part of the problem is that businesses tend to see sustainability as an expense. And when you hear expense, you, you think, I'm losing. But when you just switch this word to investment, you feel the growth. You immediately feel like this super different connotation of the, of the whole thing. And that really comes down to leadership, right? If, if it's important to the leadership of a company, of, of a brand, uh, then it's, it's going to be viewed as an investment. It's going to be viewed as an investment in the future of our planet, in our customers, in our, in our partners, in the labor that picks the flowers or whatever your product is. And so, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we will all win and we will all lose together. If the environment gets to a place where you just can't fly a plane because the winds are so disruptive to flight. Or if the ocean gets so acidic that you simply can't fish, um, it doesn't matter what you do at that point. You don't have an industry. And so it's a, it's a short-term versus a long-term horizon mindset. And it's a leadership mindset about what kind of stewardship do we want to give to the planet? What kind of stewardship do you want to give to the people that, that support our businesses? And that is fundamentally a leadership question. And it, whether you consider it an expense or a bother or something that slows you down, or you think about it as a growth opportunity and you're investing in, in the future of just not just your business, but in, in, in us as a people and, and our planet, um, that completely will drive what you care about and, and how you act. And look, there's no, there's no perfect answers, right? We, we as a business um, have impact on the world that is not all positive, um, as all businesses do. 
But the question is, what are you aiming for? And where are you trying to make it better? And if the answer is it's always a nuisance and it's always a bother and it's making our business worse or less profitable, it'll never be a priority. And so it really is a, is a mindset shift that, that, again, has started to happen in our category, but certainly has a, a ways to go. Totally share your view. So leadership, long-term vision, strategy, and care, I would add to that list. One last question probably for today. I really appreciate your time and I could talk to you hours and hours. One piece of advice you could give to the listeners of Sustainability Explored. So one piece of advice just for life, for anything, um, or related to sustainability or what? what, what? Sustainability, flower maybe related. (laughs) Sure, sure. So, you know, I would say two things, and these are, uh, they're related to our industry, so I'll focus on floral. I think one is, as we've already talked about, is just ask where your stuff comes from, right? Whether you're buying a shirt or pants or a car or whatever, do your research because that's the way that the world changes, is, is by consumers voting with their dollars. And if, if brand A has complete transparency about where it comes from and how it minimizes impact and brand B doesn't, and this one's 10 cents more, buy this one. Invest in brands that protect our environment and that give back and that make the world a better place. Because the more and more that happens on the margin, the more and more businesses then have to focus on it, right? And so I think that's the first thing is ask the questions and then put your do- vote with your dollars. Uh, when it comes to flowers, order early. Ordering early is better for everyone, no matter who you're buying from. It's better for Books if you're buying from us. It's better from a lo- for a local florist if you're buying from them. Wherever it is, just order early because that means that you're getting the best stuff at the best price and your partner, whomever it is, has the best chance to give you the best quality experience. If you're ordering very last minute, it's hard on everyone and most likely you're going to pay too much and you're going to get not the best experience. So in our category, it's all about planning ahead. Super. Thanks so much for sharing a lot of this uh, wonderful information. I personally learned a lot about flowers industry today and super happy to have you here today as my guest. And I wish you all the best with the flower industry and integrating sustainability approaches into it. I'm, I'm very happy it's happening somewhere in the world. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to meet you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new from our guest John today. If you have any questions, let me or John know. Please reach out to either of us on LinkedIn. I would also like to use this opportunity to congratulate the first editor of Sustainability Explored blog, Maria Isabel Acosta, who just recently became a mom of a beautiful baby boy, Oscar. At the time of this episode release, Maria has already received my bouquet, delivered to Quebec City. Flowers is the nice way to stay together while being miles apart. So don't miss this opportunity, celebrate celebrate life with flowers and beautiful signs to let people you love know that you are there for them. I invite you to check other related episodes out. For example, an episode called Green, Inclusive and Open Economy, or Why Sustainability is Not Enough. Uh, This was my interview with Ralph Term to get perspective and broader understanding of modern day economy. And more recent episode called Circular Economy Challenges and Systemic Change with Cleona Howie Del Rio from EIT Climate Geek. 
about how the economy will change during and after the COVID-19 pandemic. I truly hope these episodes will get you inspired to take some positive action. If you like the podcast, please consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review and rating on a platform you're listening on. We're now available on slightly more than 50 platforms. Thank you again for listening, for being here with us today. And until next time, take care, stay tuned, stay healthy and stay home. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you.